With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 12th of October. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix or anything you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe, which is obviously the most important thing. Check out LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Just download that Etsy app onto your phone. Search EPL Index or Anfield Index. Lots of really good merch there. Right, folks. International break, still boring everybody to tears. Uh, there was obviously quite a few games last night. Germany became the first team to qualify for the 2022 World Cup, hammering North Macedonia 4-0. Uh, Kai Havertz, two from Timo Werner, and Jamal Musiela with the goals. Thomas Muller had two assists. Florian Wirtz had one, and Kareem Adeyemi had another, a really exciting German team in midfield and attack. Uh, Goretzka and Kimmich, we know how great they are together. Gnabry, Muller, Kai Havertz on the left and Timo Werner up front. You also had Florian Wirtz coming off the bench, Florian Newhouse coming off the bench, Musiala and Adeyemi as well. On the bench, not even featuring Leroy Sané. So much attacking and midfield talent for this German team. The big question marks are obviously at centre-back. Nicolas Sula and Tilo Carrere played in this game. Neither of them are what you'd call elite-level centre-backs. Sula was well on his way to becoming that. The knee injury and apparently doesn't live the most professional of lifestyles. That hasn't helped. Tilo Carrere, the move to PSG just hasn't gone in his favour. He's played too much right-back. He hasn't developed as a centre-back. Still very talented, still quite promising, but it doesn't look like either of them will become the defenders they were expected to be. Same thing goes for the likes of Jonathan Thaw. Germany thought in these three they were going to be able to put together a really strong central defensive group. It hasn't worked. They've got options at fullback. They've got no real standout player there. Uh, the other centre-back option is obviously Ginter. 
he's had a decent time at Gladbach, but he's not the defender he was expected to be either. I don't think Germany are a threat to win the World Cup because I don't think they're good enough defensively. But they will be an issue for everybody with that midfield and attack moving forward. There's so much talent there. As long as Goretzka and Kimmich are fit, they're going to be really, really difficult to beat because those two can control the midfield against everybody. The Netherlands beat Gibraltar 6-0. Virgil van Dijk, two from Memphis Depay. Denzel Dumfries, Arnaud Danjuma and Daniel Malin with the goal. Danjuma is in brilliant form this season. The move to Villarreal has paid off really, really well. And it wouldn't be a surprise if we see him move again next summer. Because with the form he's in, with the talent he has, you do just foresee that he could become something really, really gifted. He was brilliant at Bournemouth last season in the Championship. The first season in the Premier League, he just didn't settle quickly. And he had a bad season. He had some injuries. They were really bad. So you wouldn't put too much of that on him. But he's got five goals in eight games for Villarreal. He's got one and one for the Netherlands this year. It's good to see. He's a player that had great promise when he was at PSV. Went to NEC to get games. Did really well in the second division in in the Netherlands. That jump, though, from the second division in the Netherlands to the, pre- to the Premier League was substantial. Um, you know, he had that season at Club Bruges. It wasn't great. Probably needed another season there to settle himself in and then move to the Premier League. But a talented player and definitely one, I think, to keep an eye on. There will be Premier League clubs interested for sure. Norway 2, Montenegro 0. El Yunassi of Southampton getting the two goals. No Erling Haaland in the Netherlands squad at the moment. Obviously, he's injured. But Martin Odegaard and El Yunassi both playing and both playing very, very well. Um, that's a that's a good Norway team. There's a lot of quality. Even the game of the team they played last night, there was a lot of players missing. And it's still a quality group. Once they get Haaland back, Sander Berger comes back into that team. I, I do think we'll see more and more from this uh, Norway team over the next four or five years. Young team, lots of good young players. Uh, Croatia 2, Slovakia 2. Kramaric and Modric for Croatia. Schranz and ha- Harislin. don't know who he is. For Slovakia. Uh, I think Croatia will be a little bit disappointed with that one you would have thought they would be heavy favourites to win that game, especially at home. How's that group looking at the moment? Croatia currently second in the group. Slovakia are third, but they're seven points behind. Uh, Slovenia won, Russia two, Divev and Dziaki, uh with the goals. I don't know, that's, that's not how you pronounce his name. That's just what I've said. That's a noise I've made. Uh, Ilicic with the goal for Slovenia. Russia top the group with Croatia. Uh, Romania beat Armenia 1-0. Iceland beat Liechtenstein 4-0. The Czech Republic beat Belarus 2-0. Patrick Schick, top scorer in the Euros. And Adam Hlozik with the goals. Uh, Adam, Watch for Adam Hlozik. Somebody is going to be really smart in January and buy him and get an absolute star. He is so good. So talented. Latvia 1, Turkey 2. Uh, the Turks got a little bit lucky in this one. 
They went 1-0 behind uh, Mary Demerol with the own goal. Five minutes later, they equalised Durzan with the goal. And then in the 99th minute, they get a penalty. And Burak Yilmaz scores the winner. They'll be disappointed with that, though. They should have won that game fairly comfortably, all things considered. Um, England obviously play Hungary tonight. Gareth Southgate has clearly been spending too much time on Twitter. Says he commits a crime every time he picks a, a team because of the players he has to leave out. I I think the England team is getting close to picking itself. I really do. When you look at... like Phil Foden just has to be in the England team. Has to be. Harry Kane has to be in the team. I think Bakayo Saka has to be in the team. And while he's not in the best of form at club level, Raheem Sterling really has to be in the team. And that's your front four. Rice and Bellingham are getting to the point where it may well have to be the two of them. Now, I still think Calvin Phillips is a better player than Declan Rice, but I think Rice and Bellingham will be the better pairing. Bellingham's not in the squad at the moment, obviously. He was rested for this um, this international break, but those two are going to be picking themselves. How Trent is not the right back, I just don't know. Left back, there's question marks over, but only because of Luke Shaw's fitness. When he's fit, it has to be him. The centre-back options aren't great. The best one doesn't get in the squad in Esri Konza. Konza and Tamori are England's two best centre-backs right now. Uh, Tamori is in this squad. Konza is not. Even with Slab head out, he didn't pick Konza, which that alone is committing a crime. But so far, the groups are shaping up, interestingly enough. Group A, where teams will play eight games. Serbia are top. Portugal are second. Portugal have a game in hand. They're one point behind. So they will go top. Then Luxembourg, Ireland and Azerbaijan rounding out the numbers. Serbia and Portugal will qualify from that group. It just remains to be seen who will finish top and get automatic qualification and who will go into the playoffs. Uh, group B, Spain top, Sweden second, Greece third. Kosovo and Georgia are, are out of the running. Again, it's two from three here. Spain you would consider the favourites, but if Sweden win their game in hand, they will go top of the group. Greece still in the mix, but I do expect that it'll be Spain and Sweden that'll get through. It just remains to be seen in which order. In Group C, Italy and Switzerland look like they'll progress. Northern Ireland still kicking around. Bulgaria and Lithuania have been eliminated. Group D, France are top and looking like they'll run away with it. Ukraine second. Bosnia-Herzegovina third, and Finland fourth. The, those three still battling it out for second place. Kazakhstan out. Not really surprising. No no offence to them, but they're not exactly a football power. Uh, Belgium clear on top of Group E with the Czech Republic and Wales battling for second. Estonia and Belarus out. Czech Republic currently ahead of Wales on goal difference, but Wales do have a game in hand if they can win that game. They will go ahead of the Czech Republic with just one game left. Um, Group F, Denmark running away with it. Absolutely unbelievable, the form that they're in. Seven games played, seven seven games won, no draws, no defeats, 26 goals scored, no goals conceded. Denmark running away with that group. Uh, It is looking like it will be between Scotland and Austria for the second spot, though... You would you would back Scotland to 
to get through. They will play 10 games each in that group. It's one of the bigger groups with six teams. Israel, Faroe Islands and Moldova can all say goodbye. Israel, I think Israel are still in the mix. Faroe Islands and Moldova, they're gone. Uh, Netherlands at the top of Group G. Norway and Turkey battling for second. Montenegro, Latvia and Gibraltar will fall short. I really want, as much as I, I like the Turkish squad, and there's a lot of good players that I really want Norway to qualify. I really want to see Erling Haaland at a World Cup. I really, really want to see that. Uh, in Group H, Russia are top, Croatia second, Slovakia third, Slovenia fourth, Malta fifth, and Cyprus sixth. Slovenia, Malta, and Cyprus eliminated. It looks like it will be Russia and Croatia. Slovakia are too far back, really. Um, they actually are too far back. They can't qualify now. So it will be Russia or Croatia topping and the other one going through to the playoff. In Group I, uh, England are top and they will sail through. Albania, Poland and Hungary battling for second place. Andorra and San Marino. How England continue. England are the Manchester City of international football. They always get these ridiculously easy groups. And in Group J then, the Germans are through. Top of the group, 21 points. Romania and North Macedonia battling for second with uh, with Armenia. Iceland out, Liechtenstein out. Tonight we have Bulgaria against Northern Ireland. You'd fancy Northern Ireland to sneak something there. Bulgaria are fairly poor. Scotland should beat Faroe Islands away. England should beat Hungary at home. Finland should beat Kazakhstan in Kazakhstan. Finland have become a decent team over the last couple of years. Very much under the radar. Portugal will hammer Luxembourg. Cristiano will score a hat-trick. And the Lubin tissues will come out. Serbia should beat Azerbaijan. Kosovo, Georgia should be a decent game in terms of the teams being equally enough matched. You'd fancy Georgia to get the result. Sweden at home to Greece is a big one. Um, two, two good teams. Sweden have the more talent. But there's something about Greece where they just, they're never beaten. They just don't know what it is to be beaten. Uh, Lithuania, Switzerland, you'd fancy the Swiss. Ukraine at home to Bosnia-Herzegovina, you'd have to fancy Ukraine. Denmark will face a tough test with Austria, but if they win, they're through. And uh, I do fancy them to get the win at home. And then Israel should beat Moldova at home. That is the World Cup catch-up I'm sure you've all been waiting for. Um, right, there was a couple of questions that came in on Thursday that I didn't get to. And then I forgot about them on Friday. So these come from Sports Lens at NFL underscore Seahawks zero zero. Uh, three questions for the pod. What are the greatest what if matches that should have happened between two teams in an era but didn't? For example, 2012 Champions League final could have been an El Clasico, but Barca and Real got knocked out in the semi. So yeah, seeing those two teams play at that point would have been spectacular. That was the Barca team, obviously, that was largely seen as the greatest club side ever. That Real team under Mourinho, that was them getting to their peak. Probably would have been an absolute belter of a game. I do think Barca probably overcome them in a one-off game. I would say Liverpool versus AC Milan in the late 80s is one that really should have happened. Um, obviously English sides were banned from European competition post Heysel, but many people believe that the Liverpool team of 88 and 80, of, sorry, 87, 88 
and 88-89 is the best Liverpool team that ever existed. Um, maybe prior to the side that won the Champions League and came second in 2019. But that Liverpool team is a lot of people's favourite. You had just great players everywhere. You had Beardsley and Aldridge up front, then Beardsley and Rush. You had Houghton on one wing, Barnes on the other, McMahon and, and Whelan in midfield, Hansen at centre-back. Just quality everywhere. Grobler and goal. That Milan team, I would argue, is the greatest club side that's ever been assembled under Igor Saki. I think those two would have played at an absolute belter. Um, I would have liked to have seen Cruyff's dream team against Lippi's Juventus. Now, Cruyff's dream team were kind of at their end as Lippi's Juventus really started to, to peak. But I do think that would have been a fantastic game. Um, if we're looking at internationals, I would have liked to have seen a game, and maybe it happened, I, I, I don't know, maybe it happened in, in, in 97, if we could have got the German team from 96 without any injuries, fully fit, that team, Ilgner and Goal, or Kopka, whichever. Ilgner would have been better, but Kopka either. Uh, Zammer as the sweeper. Kohler and Helmer as the centre-backs. Or Babel, who came in for, for Kohler when he got injured. Reuter at right wing-back. Ziga at left wing-back. Dieter Els, Thomas Hassler, and Andy Muller in midfield. And then Jürgen Klinsmann plus one of Freddy Bobic or Oliver Bierhoff up front. Either of if that that team versus the France '98 World Cup winning team, that's a game I would have loved to have seen, because that France team was spectacular. Now a lot of those players were sort of ascending at the time. A lot of that German team were at their peak or slightly past their peak, and experience got them through in many cases. But that is that German team is still my all-time favourite international team. Um, it's the, it's the first non-Ireland international team that I really, really fell in love with. I just, I love the style of play. Uh, Andreas Kopka was first choice as the goalkeeper. Bodo Ilgner was still around at the time. He was playing for Real Madrid. And I, I believe he should have been in that German team. Um, he had retired in 94, which was weird because he was only... 27 when he retired from international football. He was only 29 by the time those uh, Euros came along. He should have been the first choice keeper. He was arguably the best keeper. Schmeichel, you'd probably argue Schmeichel was the best at the time, but I would certainly say Ilgner was a top five goalkeeper in the world at the time, whereas Andreas Kopka really wasn't. But Zammer was, at the time, he was European Footballer of the Year. He was absolutely sensational. Um, Thomas Helmer was 31. He was still excellent. Not quite the defender he had, but he'd lost a little bit of pace, but great on the ball. Jurgen Koller was 30, right in his prime. Marcus Babel was the third centre-back. He'd actually played a bit of wing-back as well. He was 23, so he was on the up. Stefan Reuter was in his prime. Ziga was 24, so he was still on the way up. 
In midfield, you had D. Harrells, who was 31, a little bit past his best, but still excellent. Um, you had Andy Muller at 28, right in the middle of his prime. And Thomas Hassler was 30. Had started to decline a little bit, but still a tremendous player. Up front, obviously, like I said, you had Klinsman, who was 31 and had succumbed to a lot of injuries at that point. And then you had either Freddie Bobich, who at 24 was still on his way up, or Oliver Bierhoff, who'd be the, the hero in the final. He was never a great player, but he, he did have that incredible moment in the final, scoring the two goals. But that's that's the international game I would have loved to have seen. That German team versus the France team that won the World Cup. I still maintain that if that German team go into that World Cup as was, I think they win that World Cup. They went in with a bunch of injuries. It was a different team by the time they got to the, to the World Cup, which was a shame. Um, that one and the Liverpool-Milan one are the, are the two I would look at and say I would have loved to have seen those. I really would have loved to have seen those. I would have loved to have seen the Celtic team of Jock Steen against Matt Busby's United. Celtic, obviously, the first European, the first British team to win a European Cup. United then would be the first English team to win it. I would have loved to have seen those two teams play. Um, I would have liked to have seen. Zidane's Real Madrid against Guardiola's City in 17-18. Liverpool got to the final of the Champions League. I would have rather seen what would have happened if that City team had gotten to the final because that City team in 17-18 is still the best City team. Um, they were ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That front six is one of the great front sixes we've ever seen. Um, what else? Arsenal's unbeaten team. I would have liked to have seen Arsenal's unbeaten team play Milan under Carlo or Capello's was, it, was Capello there at that point? Capello's Juve. I would have liked to have seen Capello's Juve play Mourinho's Chelsea. That would have been an interesting one. If if Juve had beaten Liverpool in the Champions League that year, that's who they would have played. That's one I would have liked to have seen because that Mourinho team was unbelievable. But Capello's Juve were brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. They completely underestimated Liverpool, as did Mourinho's team. I would have liked to have seen Mourinho's Chelsea against the 05 Milan team. Now, that's those would be the ones. Uh, moving on, then. What is the greatest African eleven in the 21st century? So I just jotted this down. I've got Onana in goal. I think he's the best African goalkeeper I've ever seen. I've gone with Loren of Art. Of Arsenal at right back. Really good player. Really clever. Good on the ball. Good going forward. Good defensively. I moved Ashraf Hakimi to left back. 
largely because I couldn't think of a good left back, so I put Loren in at right back and moved Hakimi. Hakimi would have been in. Centre-backs, I'm going Kaladu Koulibaly and Sami Kufour, who was just a magnificent centre-back for Bayern for a number of years. Uh, Two-man midfield, Michael Essien and Yaya Toure. We're going all-out attack here, so Yaya, who just decided he didn't want to do defensive work anymore, uh, will we'll roam forward and Essien will just sit in front of the two centre-backs um, and we're going to bomb everybody forward. We, we might keep Loren back and let Hakimi attack, but I've got a front four of Salah and Mane on either side, Drogba and Etu through the middle. And in the wake of Newcastle's takeover, who would be a good CEO, director of football and head of recruitment candidates that they should target? Right. I would go head of recruitment... I, I I would consider going for Stuart Weber of Norwich, who I think is excellent. But they want to make a big splash. I think they have to go for Campos. I think they have to go for him. He built the Monaco team. He built the Lille team. Go and get him. Rather than a director of football, I would go president of football operations and have him oversee the whole thing. And that would be Beppe Maratta, currently at Inter Milan, built the great Juventus team that would go on to dominate, built the Inter Milan team that won the title. I think you can't do better than him. I would give him overview of the entire football operation side of things, separate state and church, basically. Um, church being the football side of things, have him as the Pope <laughs> running the football side of things with department heads answering to him. Give Campos the run of the recruitment side. Um, but I think those two together would work really, really well. In terms of the CEO, I would look outside of the, the football sphere. I think it's important that they look to the business side of things and try and get in somebody who has really excelled in the business side and can can really grow the company, let Morata look after growing the club and let someone else grow the company who's not a football man. Allow there to be that separation. I would go for somebody like Andy Ransom. He's currently CEO and executive director of Rentakill. And under his watch since 2013, they have expanded and grown exponentially. So I would go for him. I think he's incredibly intelligent, really, really good at what he does. He's the one I would go with. Now, whether or not he'd be interested, I don't know. But you offer him a big enough bag of money. And I do think he's one worth considering. So I'll go Andy Ransom as the CEO, Beppe, Beppe Maratta as the president of football operations. And uh, Mr. Campos then as the director of the, sorry, the head of recruitment. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's time to revisit some bad football takes, courtesy of the bad football takes Twitter account, who have done a solid here in compiling magnificent stuff, absolutely magnificent stuff. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Right, welcome back. I'm not sure entirely where I left off the last time I did this, so there may be a little bit of repetition. It is what it is. Um, we'll start at the start of September. Uh, some of these are from August because they did a little competition for the worst football take from August. So the the semi-finalists, uh, AFC underscore Zidane. Unpopular opinion, Jorginho right now is better than Busquets has ever been. Sergio Busquets is, if not the best defensive midfielder ever, he's certainly in the top two or three. He is a remarkable passer of the ball, who's brilliant from a positional point of view, from a point of view of reading the game. He rarely commits to a tackle, because he doesn't need to. He anticipates everything so well. He angles himself. If you watch a midfield runner against Barcelona and watch Busquets go to meet him, he never goes head on. He never goes to try and win the ball. What he does is he goes at an angle to divert that runner into a trap. So Barca, when Barca were great and when Spain were great, what you would see is midfield runner charging through the middle against Barca Busquets would go to meet them at the angle, drive them towards the fullback. The fullback would come to meet them, cause that player to turn round, and then depending on which side of the field it was on, either Xavi or Iniesta or later Rakitic would come back in. They'd get a 3v1 situation. they just take the ball off them, and away they'd go. Busquets defensively flawless. The only thing he ever lacked was pace. Didn't matter. One of the most intelligent players ever. And on the ball, just a joy to watch. Maybe the most press-resistant midfield player of all time. Great passer, super intelligent. You'll often hear players talk about receiving a pass from Busquets. How the player knows, without knowing what their surrounding is, which way to turn, just from the pass they receive from Busquets. If he plays it dead on to them, he wants it back. If he plays it to their right, he's telling them, turn and go to your right. If he plays it to their left, he's telling them, turn and go to your left. He's doing all that without speaking. He's also dictating the defensive line. Again, watch Barcelona when they were great. As Busquets moved, Puyol would call the defensive line. If he stepped up, Puyol would call, the defense would step up. If Busquets shifted to his left, the defense would shift to the left. Busquets went to the right, the defense would go to the right. And when he dropped back, Puyol would call it and they would drop back. That guy manipulated the whole game. As Vincente Del Bosque said, if you watch the game, you may not see Busquets. If you watch Busquets, you see the whole game. Anyone who says that great defensive midfielders aren't absolutely key to a team's success just doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm sorry, but 17-18, Gabriel Jesus is better than any version of Robert Lewandowski in terms of football ability. That is from some idiot calling himself the one and only at MCFC underscore season SZN26. He's got a picture of Riyad Mahrez as his avatar. Um, Robert Lewandowski is one of the 10 greatest strikers the game has ever seen. Gabriel Jesus at no point has been one of the 10 best strikers in the world. Gabriel Jesus has been a disappointment. Um, 
This one is actually from someone I know very well. This one is from Simon Brundish. Not one of the big transfers in the Premier League would get into Liverpool's best team. Not one. And I love Sancho. Jack is great. Lukaku is awesome. Still not one. Lukaku walks into the Liverpool team, Simon. Walks into the Liverpool team. I don't care if you have to change it around. He walks in. Sancho has had a bad start at United. Sancho at Liverpool lights up the league. Sancho starts over Mane based on what Mane has put forward the last 12 months. Now, the last two games, he's been good. Prior to that, he's been trash. Uh, Sancho starts Liverpool, as does Lukaku. Jack Grealish does not. Uh, Here's a belter, though. Scotty underscore JL. Michael Jordan is known worldwide. Nobody in America, South America, or Asia will ever have heard of Lionel Messi. He's only famous in Europe. Now, before I go any further on this, just want to give a quick mention to uh, at LFC Peter P, who tweeted me today to confirm that it's Lionel Messi, not Lionel, because Lionel Messi is named after Lionel Richie. So my little confusion over the name yesterday has been solved, and Lionel Messi becomes even more highly regarded in my household as he is named after the great Lionel Richie. Um, Messi is not known in South America. That's brilliant. That's genius. Um, Michael Jordan is, is, is the biggest brand in sport, but part of that is because of the Jordan brand and Nike. Messi doesn't have that. Messi doesn't want that. Jordan wants to be a businessman. He always wanted to be a businessman. Messi doesn't. So, yeah, Messi is not as big a brand as Jordan. Messi likely doesn't care. United Trey. This guy is an absolute moron. I was having this argument with my friend and I said, current Messi wouldn't be able to do anything better for United than Bruno is doing. Want to know if you think I'm right or wrong. Now, he's deleted this tweet, which tells you he knows he was wrong. We'll say no more. At Wellbeast, I've seen this account. The guy that runs it appears to be high or something. Mason Greenwood is not talented. He's lucky. Mason Greenwood might be the most talented young English player around. Uh, Spufrizio Romano. <laughs> For sure, Liverpool will sign some players. Don't worry. That was the 28th of May. After he pretended he knew about the Canati deal that David Ornstein broke and then he tapped in as he normally does, he then put forward this nonsense. We're one of those winky in the no faces. Uh, you're, you're a shameful man, Spufrizio. And finally, Rory at underscore Rashford FC. Unpopular opinion. Stephen Gerrard Stephen with a small s, has zero iconic moment. Not moments, moment. Moment with two M's in the middle. M-O-M-M-E-N-T. Spelling aside, Istanbul, 06 FA Cup final. Olympiakos, there's three without even getting too deep into it. There's three that everybody remembers. Moving on. 
Raheem7ii. David Silva is a top three Premier League midfielder of all time. Minimum. And a thumbs up. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a bad take, in fairness. I don't agree with it. But I don't know that it's a bad take. David Silva was incredible. I wouldn't put him in my top three Premier League midfielders. Largely because he didn't really play as a midfielder until Pep got to town. He played most of his Premier League time as a wide player with Yaya as the 10. So I don't know if it's a bad take, to be fair. Um, by the way, the winner of the worst take of the month, according to uh, Bad Football Takes, is that Michael Jordan, Lionel Messi one. Uh, in second place is Gabriel Jesus versus uh, Robert Lewandowski. In third place is United Trey and his nonsense about Messi and Bruno. And then Rory in fourth place with it, definitely the worst punctuation, grammar and spelling. He's in fourth. I would say his take is worse than at least one of the others. Monty Pelmere, Pelmere Monty, who, who looks like he definitely is a fan of Boris Johnson, has the name of a man who would be invited to events with Boris Johnson in attendance. Uh, Trent not singing the national anthem. I'd never play him again. Couldn't give a such and such how good he is. Ban him from the team. I mean, I mean, that's shocker. That, that's a shocker. This is absolutely appalling. Here's an even better one. You don't know or watch football if you genuinely think Trent Alexander-Arnold is any good. That's from Luke underscore 1878 EFC. So a bitter blue having a cry that his team couldn't get Trent as a young player. Um, Monty put down the apple teeny. Move away from the caviar. Turn the football off. Call your television provider. Cancel all subscriptions. Take your television. Throw it out the window. Just throw it out the window. Then take your phone. Flush it down a toilet. And don't ever darken the door again. Moving on. Rank these four without bias. So we've got Jimenez, Martial, Firmino, and Tammy Abraham. Uh, Finlay CFC says Tammy is one, Firmino is two, Jimenez is three, Martial is four. I'm not sure that's a bad take. I'm not sure that's a bad take. Martial, at his best, with the potential and the talent, could well be number one, but he's only ever had one good season for United. Tammy is still more promise than production, but I, I think it's a fair... I think that's a fair point. I don't think there's a real issue with that. Not sure that's a terrible football take. Somebody said to him, mark my words, Tammy will not be starting for you in two years, which obviously he's not. He's been sold. And uh, this is the bad take. Only way this is true is if it's at Real Madrid or Barcelona. 
Yep, AS Roma. Okay, uh, moving on. March, your Lord won. We must fight to end child poverty. Hey, kids, here's my new 80 quid nylon shirt. Same bloke. Right. First of all, Marcus Rashford is A, not responding, not, not responsible for the selling and distribution of Manchester United kits, nor is he responsible for the pricing of said kits. Uh, Marcus Rashford's move and work to help end child poverty and all poverty really is admirable and in no way to be mocked by morons on Twitter called Lord Marcher or Marcher Lord One. Um, here we go. OBA Stan. Sir Alex Ferguson was a mid-manager that relied on the FA referees and spending big for success. We saw some of the most ridiculous officiating ever in the history of the Premier League during his time. All his successes had more to do with godfatherism as opposed to any actual game tactics. I can lean right into this one. Ah, right into this. This is right up my street. It's a bad take, but I appreciate that. Um... Oh, Sam. This is my good friend Sam Maguire. For LFC Stories, how Liverpool found their next Sadio Mane in Taki Minamino. Um, Sam wrote an article, an opinion piece, around the time Liverpool signed Minamino. To turn around a year and a half later and say, ha-ha, gotcha, is a bit of a bad move. So... At the time, don't think it was necessarily a bad take. Minamino was really highly regarded coming out of Salzburg, had really impressed in the Champions League. Uh, Winnie, Ronaldo and his family really obsessed with the Messi family. See how Georgina copied Queen Antonella. Ah, this is crap. Uh, moving on. Ronaldo is not 10 in the Premier League. In the PL alone, that's mad harsh. Okay, name 10 better. De Bruyne, Salah, Trent, Bruno, Lukaku, Son, Van Dijk, Pogba, Foden and Kane. Um, Pogba is not better than Cristiano. But Raheem Sterling is. So replace him with Raheem. I don't think there's an argument. I, I, Cristiano's not a top 10 player in the league now. He just isn't. LFC Echo LFC uh, Live Echo LFC. What happened when Liverpool played matches on the night of the 9-11 terrorist attack? Okay, we'll just move on from that. Um Sean LFCT, who has questionable views on certain things. Ronaldo watched Greenwood do all the work, score a tap in from two yards from a goalkeeper error. Then he did his little celebration like he did something. <sighs> I can't read the rest of that, but it's not a bad take at all. It really just isn't a bad take. Uh, Kieran CFC 88, there was way more hype for Griezmann's second debut for Atleti than there was for Ronaldo's second debut for United. It's just not true. Um, Pepe underscore 19i, Rafinha is a championship level winger. There's, that's another L for the fundamental FC purists on here. AFC carries 
replies, I would honestly love to know where these where this man ranks Pepe among the wingers in the Premier League. And the guy replies, top three with Salah and Son. Now, I like Nicolas Pepe, and I like him more than most. But he's he's barely top three wingers at Arsenal, let alone top three wingers in the Premier League. Um, United Optimist. This is going to be very difficult, but who's the best Premier League midfielder of all time? And Umir replies, David Silver, not a difficult choice to me either. Uh, David Silver's not the best midfielder in the Premier League history. Uh, at righty underscore eight, the certified clown. Virgil looks finished, such a heavy footballer. An injury like that was always going to affect him more than most. I mean, this was after a pre-season game. Ray, at Lou underscore Sasshole. I, first of all, if you say deadass, you're just a moron. I Deadass might be open to starting. The Rice is better than Vieira, Makaleli, and Yaya talks by the end of the year. Oh, my God. Oh, it hurts my head. Oh, see what the the issue with this kid, right, is that he wasn't stuffed into a locker when he was young and made stay in there and think about his what he'd done. Think about the choices that he'd made that had led him to that point in his life. Oh. Oh, that's just it's just awful. Awful, awful, awful stuff. I knew he was going to be a clown when I saw Deadass, and it just got worse. Um, Danny Alves and Jordi, Danny Alves and Jordi Alba in their prime are the best full fullback pairing of all time. Prove me wrong. Sam Bunting replies, "I can name one fullback duo better, but you won't want to hear it or accept it because of who they played for." Somebody asks, is it Trent and Robertson? And he replies, no, it's Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman. Now, look, in in 2011 to 2013-14, Baines and, and Coleman were very, very good. Very, very good. At the Premier League level. Never proved it in Europe. Certainly didn't prove it in the Champions League because, you know, Everton... They're just not in the same stratosphere as that Alba Alves pair. Now, I would say the best pairing Barca ever had was Alves Abidal, not Jordi Alba. But either way, it's not the best fullback pairing ever. So we'll just move on. Let's just move on. Um, you are asking me for an example of when the Zenit fans have been racist. racist. Four question marks, because you need four. Yes, bar that fake Malcolm story, there aren't many intra many incidents. They just don't like black players. Oh, God. Read the last sentence of your own tweet. Not wanting black players to play for their team is racist. And he puts in two question marks as if, as if one... What are you doing? This is an account... This guy's a moron. At SXNE19IV2. If you follow him on Twitter, block him straight away. Because that he defends racists. Just block him straight away. This is a cracker. Am I deluded to think this is the best midfield trio of the century? No. Xavi Iniesta, Busquets, Cruz, Modric, Casemiro. They were good. But never had the impact like this trio have for this Chelsea team. 
Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. Also better individually. Oh my God. It's not up for debate, apparently. Uh, clinical Kai, who I think needs to get some clinical evaluation. Um, dear God, what have I read? Um, Pally. United fans laughing at this is so predictable. Their manager is incapable of turning around games consistently like Tuchel, Pep or Klopp. And then someone puts up the fact that United have won more points from a losing position since the start of last season. So fair enough. It's not a bad take, though. Ollie is a PE teacher. Um, here we go. Tom Garrett. This guy is a wizard. He's a football TikToker. Whatever that is. And all he has is utterly embarrassing takes. So he's he's made some stupid comments about Salah. He said his first touch was uh, was appalling. His second touch was a tackle. I think he compared his first touch to a trampoline. Just a moron. Salah isn't a winger per se anyway. He's an absolutely elite inside forward. There's no denying that. But comparing Salah to Ronaldo at United... Yeah, Salah to Ronaldo at United is hilarious. He played wide in a four-man midfield. Using goals in that argument makes you sound like an idiot. So... Here's the thing. The first three years, yes, he played wide in a 4-4-2. The last three years, he played as an inside forward in a 4-3-3. United had Rooney, Berbatov and him. Tevez, Berbatov and him. Tevez, Rooney and him. In midfield, you would have some combination of Carrick, Fletcher, Giggs and Skulls. And Salah outperformed him. Someone also posted Salah's heat map just to prove the point. He does play wide. He starts really wide and works his way in. He doesn't start narrow and drift out. Uh, Robbie Savage at the start of this season, I would play Sancho instead of Salah. He'd walk straight into the Liverpool team. Like I said earlier, I, th I would start him over Mane. I think with Robertson overlapping, I think he'd be unbelievable. Uh, but there's no comparison between Sancho and Salah. Salah is just from a, a different planet altogether. Um, flops of the season so far. This is from City Byron. He's got Ramsdale in goal. To his credit, Ramsdale's done pretty well. He's got Ben White. To his credit, Ben White's done pretty good. He's got Varane. He hasn't lived up to the expectations United fans had, but who could have? They thought they were getting... Alessandro Nesta, they're getting this version of Varane. He's been what you expect him to be. He's got Upa Meccano, which is weird. He's also put him right back, which is bizarre. Nuno Tavares at left back, who was bought to be a backup left back and has actually done quite well. He's put Mason Mount in the team for reasons known only to himself. He's put Camavinga in, who's been brilliant for Real Madrid. Ginny Wijnaldum, I can accept that. That's fine. Sancho, yeah, fair. So far, no question. Cristiano, I mean, he's not playing well, but he still scored five tap-ins, so he's got to be mentioned. He can't be a flop. And Leon Bailey, who's had to commit some injuries, but he's been really good for Villa. So, nonsense. Argentina fan. I don't think this guy's an Argentina fan. Unpopular fact, Neymar has had a bigger influence on the 2010 Barcelona... Sorry, Barca of the 2010s than... Messi, uh, we'll just move on. Just move on. God almighty. Um, Nas Season. 
Uh, Premier League most overrated 11. Mendy. Mendy is overrated. There's no question. Trent is not overrated. Varane is overrated by United fans, but I don't think by the by the majority. Ruben Diaz. Yeah, he's overrated. There's no doubt. Luke Shaw, I think, has become a little bit overrated. Declan Rice is overrated. He's he's very good. The, these players, not they're bad players. Some of them just are overrated. I don't think Kovacic is under is overrated at all. Quite the opposite. I think he's underrated. Uh, Bruno, I don't think he's overrated. When you see him compared to Messi, he's overrated. But based on what he's done for United, he's not overrated. Salah is underrated. Cristiano is overrated. People still think he's five years younger. And Jack Grealish is overrated. That's not a bad take. Um, your name is dreadful, but it's not a bad take. Uh, North London Derby is literally a mid-table fixture right now, which is true. Um, and someone called 5OJ. Arsenal would slap Barca with ease and probably Real Madrid too on a good day. They might beat Barcelona because Barca are garbage. Real Madrid would tear this Arsenal team to shreds. Um, Barlow Bull. Genuinely the best 19-year-old the world has ever seen. And he's put a picture of Anthony Martial. We'll move on. Uh, Dirk Kout. I know the Champions League is a tournament for champions, but a team like Sheriff Tiraspol has nothing to do with the Champions League. God, has that aged really badly. Um... Tom Garrett, I mean, the, the guy's a moron. There's another one from him. I think this is the one where he's talking about Salah's first touch. Timmy Nagy, only about three midfielders in the Premier League are better than Fred. That's that's impressive. That really is impressive stuff. Ellis, Ellis Burner, who I think is United Ellis on his other account. These are these children that somehow accumulate massive numbers of followers on Twitter. I hope we get Bayern in our Champions League group. United Trey responds, they wouldn't be able to handle us on the break. Pogba, Bruno, Rashford and Sancho, we beat them. And Ellis replies, honestly think we beat them by a scary margin, like we did with Leipzig at OT, but we'd be doing it at the Alliance Arena, forcing Nauer into retirement. Bayern Munich would destroy this current Manchester United team. I, I don't mean beat them. I mean annihilate them to the point that Ollie would be sacked in the dressing room afterwards. Cristiano would have a temper tantrum on the field. And Paul Pogba wouldn't realise there was a game going on because he doesn't really care about United. So there's that. Um, football Theo... Unpopular opinion. When people start things with unpopular opinion, it normally means stupid opinion. A fully fit Marcus Rashford is better than Neymar. We'll just move on from that. We'll just let that one sit and move on from it. Uh, United Sam. Our fan base are in for a rude awakening when Ollie gets sacked. He's the glue holding this club together. Brilliant. Um, 30 versus 30. We are getting that choke artist. Henri out of here. Touchline fracas. What final did Rooney perform in? Is that a bad take? I know he played well in one FA Cup final. But is that a bad take to ask what final Rooney played well in? I, I'm not sure it is. Um, 
the winner of the worst take for October was that obscene nonsense about Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic being the best midfield three of all time. Um, Odefi Calvin, it's unacceptable to compare Salah to Hazard. What What are these Liverpool fans high on? Take away the goals from Salah is just a regular bench warmer. Last season when Liverpool were playing bad, he was nowhere to be found. Hazard can dribble, assist and score goals. Hazard's only dribbling is when he eats too much food and he has a little bit of a food coma. Uh, Ball Diola, teacher of ball. You know this guy's going to be a clown. Newcastle's takeover makes me feel sick. I can't lie. It's not about the money, it's about them. There's no way the Saudi prince should be allowed to invest in the English game. Um, yeah, you're a Manchester City fan, pal. Um, oh, that's a bad take. Sean D-O-L-F-C. Sean's a good guy. Somebody said to him, Salah and Mane are really struggling. And he replied... Salah's goals are going down 32 to 22 and then less. He'll be hitting Solanke numbers soon. Uh, this is a shocker. Leroyology. There hasn't been a club that has had more iconic shirt numbers like City. KDB 17. Fair enough. YT 42. DS 21. SA 16. I don't mind any of these so far. ORM26, Riyad Mahrez is iconic. Phil Foden, 47, not iconic. Leroy Sané, 19, whatever. The first four you can make an argument for, not the rest. Uh, Clinical Kai, how Kai first hasn't been nominated for the Ballon d'Or is beyond me. Two goals and assists in European finals. I'm one of the best youngsters at the Euros. A magnificent. Um, not real Martial. I'd trade our 99 CL trophy for Zidane as manager in a Pogba contract extension. I mean, Pogba, seriously. Seriously. Are people not watching Pogba? The Showtime Reds. If the Ballon d'Or is awarded for the best individual performance rather than a club performance... Then Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, and Lewandowski, the only real uh, candidates. Absolutely amazing. Genuinely amazing. Right, we'll wrap up with the gossip and get done. Chelsea have held informal talks with Real Madrid about re-signing as Eden Hazard, but Real would want Reese James in return. Uh, I'm going to just put that one squarely in a bin. Manchester United are considering bringing in Wilfred Ndidi. Perfect signing for them. Absolutely what they need. He would be a great signing. You give them him, a real manager, and someone to play in midfield next to him, and they will be a real problem. Liverpool are closely monitoring the Usman Dembele situation. I just don't see it. Uh, former Borussia Dortmund boss Lucien Favre and ex-Chelsea boss Frank Lampard are the, two, are the names of the two Newcastle, two managers Newcastle owners are considering. Uh, it looks at the moment like Steve Bruce might stay for at least the next game or two. Frank Lampard would be an awful appointment. He is a poor manager. And you're in a relegation battle. You can't appoint Frank. Alex Lacazette has no intention of signing a new contract when his 
current deal expires at the end of the season. So they need to sell him in January if they can. Wales midfielder Aaron Ramsey still believes he can be a success at Juventus. Wales midfielder Aaron Ramsey is suffering from delusion. Um, Netherlands midfielder Ginny Wijnaldum says he's not completely happy at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, that's kind of obvious. Dutch side Feyenoord are preparing a fresh bid for Ahmed Diallo after injury scuppered a lone move in the summer. Would make sense. I think the, I think he will go there in January. Manchester United will consider selling Jesse Lingard for 15 million in January. His contract's out in the summer. They're not getting 15 million for a player with six months left in his contract. Uh, Juventus have opened talks with Donny van de Beek. I doubt it. Juventus are preparing a loan offer for Bernardo Silva. They'll get laughed at. English centre-half Ben Davies still believes he's a future at Liverpool. They had no centre-backs last year and you played zero games. I think you might just have to open your eyes and realise what's going on. And Spain keeper David Rea says he is happy at Brentford amid interest from Arsenal and Everton. Um, calling him Spain keeper is a bit much. I think you mean Spanish keeper. He has never played for any Spanish team. Uh so I don't think he's actually would qualify to play for England. So at 26, if he does, if he does improve and develop, maybe he'll get a call up for England. I don't think he's any chance for Spain, but yeah, he's better off staying at Brantford uh, for now anyway. Uh, and that will do us for today, folks. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to tip your waitresses. I'll be here all week. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.